0: This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey podcast. I am joined today, and I'm joined as always by my friend and business partner, Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. Hello from Bridgewater, Virginia. Hello from Chicago, Illinois.
1: See that Illinois. I thought you would like to give a little plug for your your time on the road. Yeah, look at that. Thank you. You said you set it up. I, I did. That's exactly what we did. I was, um, my Monday was Miami. My Tuesday was Tampa. And I wish I had gone somewhere in Florida with a W to complete that for my Wednesday. Walt Disney World. I was one stop away.
0: (laughs) You love Disney so much. Oh,
1: good Lord. Uh, Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I was very close to the belly of the beast. Um <laughs> Mickey Mouse being the beast. And yeah, Orlando on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So those those are my three days and I'm home Thursday Friday, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. See the wifey, see the kids, see them off to school, work <laughs> during the day.
0: <laughs> what's the what's the place in Florida with a W that you wanted to be at? Because you said he said i was in miami i was in tampa i wanted to be a place that started with a w are you not following what i was doing there no do i need to do i need to back this up can you back it up can you uh... okay
1: okay come with me listeners <laughs> okay now listen to the pattern joshua okay <laughs> okay miami miami on monday uh, miami
0: oh <laughs> tampa <laughs> on, on tuesday tuesday <laughs> Yep. And um, then Orlando on Wednesday, I get it. Wow, yeah. I
1: thought you were I thought you were really getting that live, yeah. but you really weren't. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's like when you're talking to your dog and he's wagging his tail, but he's really not following. Yeah. And you're so. calling
0: him a jerk the whole time. <laughs> you little jerk. Oh, aren't you so sweet? Oh, you're the worst thing in the world.
1: <laughs> to be honest, I haven't called you a jerk yet. <laughs> but I'm gonna keep the emphasis on yet.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, and
0: so yeah. you're in Chicago. So yes, uh, because beyond yes. beyond the very three things that we do—Single Cast Nation, Whiskey Jubilee, Whiskey Geek Tours—my other job at Impact Beverages gets me into Chicago, and in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, and New York, 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 and Massachusetts, in New York, and Chicago. No. New York in November Oh, I see what you did there Massachusetts Because of the why Because of the (laughs) why
1: And sometimes why (laughs) Uh, So you were at Indie Spirits I was, yes
0: Tuesday? I was at Chicago Indie Spirits Expo on the Tuesday And And you you were saying to me off off air that it was a good time it was a really good time it was it was a little nervous it's a long event you know it's, uh, it's how long is long close to five hours pouring okay uh but time flew yeah good people okay. there yeah who were you pouring beside i was two tables away from raj oh good from uh glass revolution
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: mr mr man behind amrut and yeah. uh, people have seen black
1: adder in the shows Yep.
0: Yeah. and uh next to corsair as well nice yeah it's nice nice
1: yeah it sounds like fun i need to get to one of these shows uh, one of these days Poorly the indie yeah they're good so one of the things that i'd said in a previous episode i think it was actually the last episode mm-hmm. that i've been doing all this crazy travel yeah and um, i'm on the move constantly in atlanta i was there three times in three weeks uh, i won't be back there until november but um i said the announcement would save for a, a later day and given that today's podcast we have the wonderful robin robinson yes uh, and a a cameo by winston what's winston's last name winston churchill edwards did you just make up the churchill part no that's his middle name that is his middle name that's his middle name oh that's fantastic yeah cool and we have a cameo by Winston Churchill <laughs> Edwards not sure if this is the truth no Joshua. it's
0: true I'm sure Winston I'm we- sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm, totally near, I'm near positive that's the truth Yeah.
1: if it wasn't him that told me I, I totally made it up in my head but it's one or the other <laughs> well, either he
0: told me or I'm making it up one or the other he keeps telling me never 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 give up I listened to him, so you know that was that no. beating of the table is going to sound wonderful in the podcast. That's that's the point of it. Ugh. I just I just called my inner Winston Churchill anyway. So a cameo by Winston Edwards from uh, from balcones. You're the one who said you needed to go on a diet. So when you did
1: your inner Winston Churchill, I did not make a fat joke. Just for the record,
0: thank you for not making that fat joke that you told me you didn't make. I did not make it. <laughs> you made it. That's that's totally your emu. <laughs> Can you go on with your with your uh, uh, announcement? With your announcement, this is <laughs> this is your own news segment. <laughs> I know, and you keep derailing it. I <laughs> <laughs> dare you. Hey, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't that's derail.
1: It. That's it. So uh, for the last uh, what year and a half. Joshua has been with Impex. We announced that uh, way back in the beginning
0: of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Two and, and a half years. Yep. It was never two and a half years. It's two and a half years. Never. Two and a half years. I've been with Impex since March of 2015. It is currently October of 2017. I'm going to have to see the receipts. <laughs> That's. Wow, yeah. we can
1: we can totally edit this down, but I'm just going to sit here for a few minutes and go, wow, really? That's two and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, two and a half years. Two and a
0: half hours, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's how long I've been with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yes, so so watching Joshua blaze that trail for two and a half years, wow, uh, got me thinking that that looked like a pretty fun endeavor. And so in August. I started working with Impex as well, uh, mm. representing the southeast. I have Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Florida. Mm. Um, all, all the places where they're they're drinking whiskey, like right through the summer.
2: <laughs> it's just
1: <laughs> it's so frigid there. That um, yeah, a, fr- a friend of mine was saying, yeah, we live in paradise. Uh, he's in Tampa. He said, yeah, we live in paradise. In January, it'll be sixty-eight degrees here. Wow! Right. wow. Uh, this week, thunderstorms and rain every single day, and uh, it was 84 degrees, and the rain was falling on me. It's, uh, it's it's an old it's an old joke in Scotland. How do you know it's summertime in Scotland? It's raining. The rain is warmer. <laughs> the rain is warmer. <laughs> <laughs> and so that had me thinking that this week in Florida, I, I literally haven't seen rain in three months. And I had to go to Florida in October to see it. So, so there you go. So, yeah, so I'm I'm like you, Joshua. I've, I've got all the, the Jewish whiskey company responsibilities with Single Cast Nation, uh, two different bottling lines, the Whiskey Jubilee, the festivals across three cities. I've got the Whiskey Geek Tours happening mm-hmm. over in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and I'm representing four states for our importer, Impex. Um, and uh, represent Kuhlman and Tamdu and the new Tipperary and the new launch of Boraskeg. Yeah, exclusive um, malts.
0: Exclusive malts, of yeah. course. Um, who else am I missing? Chapter seven. See, that, see, you haven't been with the company long enough to remember all oh, of this.
1: Well, what's also funny is going through different distributors in different states. They don't all carry the same things. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And so here I am pouring two of them one day and four of them another. And then this week in Florida, I was pouring nine different things on
0: the table. Yeah, it's one of the things that, that you learn that from state to state to state, sometimes certain distributors carry one thing and other distributors carry the other thing. And it's just not that easy. And maybe one day we'll we'll go over why the laws are as weird and draconian as they are. But, you know, uh, I hope, sure. we yeah, uh, <laughs> hope we don't. Yeah, I hope we do But, 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 but on behalf of. Myself.
1: Look at you speaking on behalf of yourself.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Impex team.
1: Very good to have you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I was I was busy toasting you then taking a
0: little sip of whiskey, so cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be taking my sip of water. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um So yeah, yeah, the
1: the reason that I wanted to make the announcement today is that we really have a master class in whiskey sales and marketing with Robin Robinson. Uh the guy's been doing it very 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 well for for a good long while. And um very thoughtful, very interesting. Um mm. it, it's funny you called him verbose in, in your uh, interview the word I think you wanted to use was erudite. Um, um yeah. <laughs> verbose is not always a compliment. Um <laughs> it suggests more long-winded and uh somewhat um you know self-focused but but
0: erudite
1: Uh, i like
2: that that's
0: how i would describe robin i'm gonna gonna add that to my lexicon i removed it a while back to make room for uh maga but i'll have (laughs) to i'll have to put erudite back into my lexicon so thank you for that yeah you accidentally issued erudite oh
1: don't you dare
0: don't you dare
1: yeah I did be just as well saying smooth there. Uh, are <laughs> shoe is not a word that you enjoy so,
0: so Robin Robinson I met, yes I met Robin gosh years ago I want to say close to 10 years ago if, I, I feel like that is correct yeah and he was at the so at the time he was working with compass box and, I will say
1: this though yeah oh, not,
0: not not to derail you no, please yeah please go but Derail if you've been
1: with if you've been with Impex for two and a half years mm-hmm. and we've had a company for six years, yeah. Maybe ten years for Robin Robinson. That still only puts us back to two thousand and seven, and I feel like we knew him before two thousand and seven.
0: I feel like we did too, but you know what they say about numbers. None of them make any sense when you have kids? None of them, not a single number makes sense when you have kids. Nothing makes sense when you have kids. Up is down, down is seven. Cats sleep with dogs. Rain falls up in
1: Florida. <laughs> they are Florida, man. No, okay, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> Compass Box and Robin
0: Robinson. So I met Robin uh, for the first time at Whiskey Live New York. I think I may have told you this story before. Now, back then, and, and actually Robin talks about this a little bit, um, sort of the the way in which whiskey is sold or the way in which whiskey is put across to the consumer. But at Whiskey Live during that time, nearly every table had an incredibly good-looking woman behind it pouring a whiskey, wearing a tiny black dress, uh, legs to the ceiling, you know, you name it, just beautiful. Or a really good-looking guy, hand, you know, nice suit, you know, whatever. But models to bring people in to pour. And there were lines to these people because all the guys wanted to oogle the pretty girls and, and, you know, whatever. But then there was this other table, the compass box table, that also had this really long line because there was this incredibly erudite (laughs) man behind it who was so enthusiastic about compass box and able to talk about Now, this is close to 10 years ago. You know, I think people are way more educated about blends now, and there's still a a ways to go. Yeah. But this was back when, I mean, single malt was king, and what the hell is a blend, and why is it even here? And this was a guy who was able to educate and get people excited about blends, and he's not a pretty woman, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Long line. Getting to him was difficult, but I waited because I'm listening to him speak. And and it was exciting and I I wanted to find out about Compass Box. And so that was my first run end of seeing someone who is able to communicate an idea about high end blends and get an an enormous line to his table, just like a pretty woman in a slinky dress would get an enormous line to her table. You know, and you and I've discussed this
1: that, that I really hate the Facebook and and I think it's a total cesspool, filled with drunk uncles uh, at the Thanksgiving table. But there's one person,
2: yeah,
1: who who writes very long, very thoughtful, uh, very introspective uh, pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uses that medium for good. And it's interesting the number of people that say, Robin, you should collect these Facebook essays and publish them like they are they are that good they're that well written and that thoughtful um and
0: so you know having a chance to spend time with them is is always so much fun i agree that spending time with robin is always a pleasure and so i apologize that you didn't have the time to spend with robin while i was interviewing him
1: that seems fair yeah
0: this was so this interview is actually back in i want to say april or may and we were both there for a, a big binny's event They're the binny's world of whiskies okay and, yeah and so just just so listeners are aware as you're listening back to some of this interview this was over lunch <laughs> <laughs> with me robin and and winston was also there and uh so you may hear some dishes clinking in the background you may hear a waitress I definitely heard. I definitely heard chewing when I was listening to it back. I'll try to edit out the chewing, and by <laughs> try to, I mean I probably won't. <laughs> but so you listened to the interview, right? So what? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, yes, I did.
0: <laughs>
1: yes, in preparing for today's podcast, yeah, I listened to the interview. Yeah. What jumped out at you? Like we we discussed a lot. Okay, so for me, there were three distinct parts. Okay. Uh, number one, the evolution of sales and marketing for mm. whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Robin goes on to talk about um, the story sells the spirit. Yeah, yeah. He gets he gets to that part. Um, then the discussion of panoply. Which you had in the running for word of the podcast. I did. I did. So I, so I had to come at you, bro, with erudite wow. early uh, in the podcast. Uh, I don't think it topples panoply, but uh, if it gives
0: it a run for its money, I'll be happy. Yeah. And well, then go on. I'm just going to say thunderclap. That's my word of the podcast. Go on. <laughs> That's one of your safe word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: Thunderclap!
0: Thunderclap! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the third part, yeah, is when he talks about his work with uh, craft brands, yeah, uh, and says a lot of uh, very interesting things and very honest things, uh, which I like a lot. When he talks about the the talk that he gave at the ADI, mm, uh, mm-hmm. the title of that. Um all very honest and, and straightforward, which I think has always been one of his qualities. Is that I've I've never felt um, that Robin was ever telling me what I wanted to hear in a conversation with him. And and you know the part part of the reason why I say that is he's always been incredibly complimentary about what we've been trying to achieve with Single Cast Nation and Whiskey Jubilee. Yeah, he yeah, has been. Um, and when someone's a straight shooter like Robin Robinson is. When he says something very nice and very positive about your efforts, it means an awful lot mm. uh, because I know he wouldn't say something that he didn't mean. No, that's very true. Uh, so that's that very cool. So, yeah, his, his, um, his work with, with American craft distillers, uh, I think, is fascinating as well. So those are the three distinct areas uh, of the
0: conversation that were most striking to me. I want to move over to the tape where he's talking about that evolution of selling, the different phases of of selling whiskey, uh, so let's let's move it over to Robin and hear what he has to say. Talk to me a little bit about what you've discovered and, and how that
3: helped launch you with what you're doing. Well, um, you know, and you know, not to be verbose about it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're in a, we're, I think we're in a in, in a moment right now. Where um, things like whiskey and spirits have now kind of crossed into um, what I would call the third wave. So uh, initially it was like, uh, you know, we had the aficionados and the people who sought out things that were special and sought out whiskey, right? And then you go into a second wave where there's a wider, you know, you're not uh, with uh, it's not a, an avant garde cutting th- edge thing. Now you've got the second wave. And you're starting to see where adoption comes. Hmm. And then the third wave, and the third wave was really when it kind of breaks out into mass, you know, the public is now aware of it, and you start seeing um, sales as a result. And right now, I think with whiskey, we're at that point. Okay. Um, so, with that comes a lot of opportunities. Um, initially, you know, when like the first brand ambassador showed up from Scotland about 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. You know, it was very much about a cultural identification with Scotland, yeah. and this is a kilt, and here's this is heather, and this is smoke, and peat, and barley, and stuff like that. But we're now at a point where that stuff is great, but you know, we're we're in a a smartphone age, and, um, uh-huh. and a lot of that is readily available, and uh, and everyone's out there doing it. But what no one's really doing is sort of leading with what really makes the public buy, which is, um, uh, you know, the public either wants to be entertained, um, or, uh, they want to feel some sort of emotional satisfaction. That's, that's never changed in all of sales and all of history, you know, that was kind of like a madman, you know, the Don Draper kind of an idea about, you know, the Hershey's thing, right? It's still there. It's, it's still there, you know, um, so what I've found out is that, you know, um, when you actually make people laugh and, oh, and, and, and tell them a story and, and do something entertaining um, that still services the brand, people remember that more. And so, you know, it's always been with me. I mean, I'm, you know, like, a, a, you know, still a frustrated ex-stand-up comic. Um, so, <laughs> wait, can you do that? Is that or is ex-frustrated? Either way. Yes. Um <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, so uh, actually sprinkling knowledge yeah. amongst the entertainment is really what I found really kind of, it, it grabs people and because it makes them feel more like emotionally involved. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you can either do that or you can actually do something that's actually, you know, we've overdosed on 24. the sexual. Cheers. We've overdosed on the sexual part of yes. selling, you know. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But entertainment's always been a big part of it, you know. And so yeah, so um my classes, I you know, I do whiskey classes and I sort of build them as like you know, two hours of bad stand-up comedy punctuated by drinking, <laughs> and people who come to the class. I mean, I'm like all over the place, right? You know, and I have and I do bad Scottish accents and even worse Irish accents, and you know, even like probably insulting Southern accents, you know. <laughs> and so. But it kind of delivers the message. Yeah. Your,
0: your self-deprecation knows no limits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but y- you brought up an interesting point that we live in the world um, of cell phones, right? Yeah. And, and I, was, uh, I was at a shop two days ago. And, and the shop owner was telling me he gets these guys coming in and they look at his shelves and they stare at the shelves and they look at their phone and they look, look around and they'll stay there for 10, 20 minutes yeah. and they'll never try to engage yeah. and, then, and then they'll leave without doing anything. Yeah,
3: right, and Like technology is actually trying to address that by getting people to actually act. The, the, whole, the whole art of sales is to get someone to act. Mm-hmm. You have to take action. Otherwise, we stay in our very safe, it's easier not to do anything, which is a decision. So marketing and sales is real all about getting people to take an action, right? In our case, it's, you know, you tasted it, you learn a little bit, now go buy it, right? Or buy that drink and buy the bottle, you know, over and over. Well, in a crowded field, you know, just displaying facts mm-hmm. um, in a fact-oriented, you know, a smartphone-oriented world, you're lost it's just lost because then there's another fact that comes in that can just replace it. it it doesn't have anywhere to really kind of grab into right but when you sprinkle that yeah you know in with something that people feel emotionally right um you know people feel loss and people feel um contentment and anger and love right and those are the things that what you try to try to do so laughing is everyone's you know I mean everyone loves to laugh and it makes it gives a feeling of warmth and contentment and security right so you make people feel secure um, so that's really where the humor comes in humor as a sales tool you know yeah. but real humor humor that's come not jokes and not forced stuff but real humor that just comes out of you know, you know something that's actually funny or yeah. it comes out of something natural or yeah. something like that you know not everybody can do it and you, we we see a lot of forced humor out in the marketplace just bad it's just bad humor yeah, yeah. 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 so um so i try to be you know legitimate about it yeah. right yeah. you know because um, also the thing that has to come through is um sincerity and um uh trust and um uh, authenticity and uh, integrity and things like that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you sacrifice those for the joke in order to try to sell something, you know, people are, people are smart. You know, they just, you know, they just yeah. turn around and walk away, you know. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, so it's like, you know, humor in selling, I think, is, is absolutely hand critical hand now. Hand. Yeah, it's just hand yeah. in hand. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, we, you know, I, I,
0: I often talk about, you know, the, the seminars that we do, well, I see, you know, there's some seminars that I've seen where you've got the guy, and, and this is going to come out as as if I'm sort of crapping on something. And and I probably am. But, um, but we got that out. <laughs> this is now called a preemptive culpa. Yeah. So now, you know, it's like saying... With all due respect, you and know, now you can say whatever you, you want. Know what? I really love you. I love you. But. but, but you know the the tradition has been, and maybe this was you know wave one or wave two that you have talked about, where the tradition has been uh, a guy in a suit or a girl with a slinky dress, and they're tasting you through the whiskeys, and it's just you've got a pretty face with someone that maybe not know a lot, but you know, they're they're presenting a brand and you're getting to taste some whiskey. And you know, the, the sexy girl thing, I think you talked about overdoing it on the sexual yeah. stuff. Um we we you know
3: well sexy girl by herself just using sex yeah, yeah. is now dead. Yeah. Right. But nothing wrong with a sexy woman who is Knowledgeable, Yes. right? Oh yeah. To me, that's she's like the most potent force out in oh, yeah. the in, in in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, she's bringing she's bringing game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome. You yeah. know, and we see a lot of women in the industry now that are coming in like that. You know, they come in with a yeah. sense of humor. You know, uh, um, uh, they're smart. You know, um, uh, they got like a kind of a no bullshit. You know, um, mm. um, uh, approach and. Um, yeah, so I, it's great, yeah. I, I think we're, you know, it used to be, I think we, we even used to tease about the, the whole idea of the, the blondes wearing black. Yeah. yeah and we're starting yeah. to see that actually just, you know. It's, that, yeah. Yeah, they, thankfully, way,
0: yeah, thankfully it's going away. Uh, but that, that's what you would see, and, and I think what you're doing, what, what we try to do, and what a lot of other people are starting to do now is a reaction to that. That's old, that's tired. Right? It's like going to a tasting and you taste all these Scotch whiskeys and someone puts out uh, a bunch of shortbread. Like that used to be the thing. Here's some shortbread and here's a kind of, you know, which had its place a while ago, but things are changing.
3: People. You see my here too, here, you know, right? Oh, your Scottish accent isn't so bad. (laughs) Every Scot who listens to (laughs) us says, don't quit your day job. As a dumb American,
0: (laughs) I think that is great. (laughs) There's one point about the that evolutionary process that is discussed between between Robin and I when it comes to selling scotch whiskey and part of that was that that sexual component right mm-hmm. where you're using models so there's there's something that I want to say here because if you think back to the jubilee and who we have at the jubilee we have some people who are behind the table that attendees may assume that they're just, and you use this term a few times, the dolly birds, right? You've got uh, Jennifer Nickerson of Tipperary and Allison Park of Bren, you know, and those are just the first two that come to mind, but they're beautiful women who are brand owners that know a shit ton about whiskey and know everything about their brand. And so you'll have people coming to them and this could be at any show, not just our show. People may not want to talk to them mm-hmm. because yep. they assume they're models.
1: Yep, yep. The industry dug itself into a little bit of a hole there with with that reliance on on models for pouring, mm-hmm. um, where now the attendees have been have been trained and programmed in a certain way. Um, and one of the things that we make very clear to every single one of our exhibitors is send anybody you want to talk about your product. Mm. But make sure that person can talk about your product inside out and back to front. Yeah. And we have a very strict no models policy at the Jubilee. And and it got me thinking after, after speaking with Jen of Tipperary in, in June, That maybe we need to make that explicit to our attendees as well. Like the 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 trust factor is, if you're an attendee and you walk up to a table and you have a conversation, you know very quickly if this person was just paid to pour that bottle that night. Yeah, and you know if that person knows the brand inside out and back to front. Yeah, no, that's 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 a good point. Yeah, but given a little bit of what Jen was describing, which is people wouldn't necessarily approach her table to talk to her as you just said, because they assumed that she was model for hire and wouldn't answer any questions anyway. So we maybe need to be a little more explicit. Maybe we need to help the evolution along and say, this is a no models festival. Please ask every question you want, uh, no matter the
0: person behind the table. That's good. You know, I I run into a similar thing. You know, I I walk around the, the Jubilee room, And just making sure everybody's, you know, has everything they need. uh, Everybody's having a good time, so on and so forth. And people just assume I'm a model. (laughs) They just, you know, the you're (laughs) you're not the showrunner. You're just a pretty face in a a black shirt. It's tough. (laughs) It's tough when you know. I feel. I hope people know that I'm still here saying nothing. Okay, (laughs)
1: that's that's important to me. I feel objectified, Jason. (laughs) Uh huh. (laughs) I have literally no words. None at all. Um, let me just say I hear you. Let me oh, leave it right. at that. Yeah, okay. I, I hear you.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> I think I can also smell the bullshit you're spouting, but I, I can definitely hear you. <laughs> okay, okay. Let, let's move on. Let's move on. So we've had the opportunity to work with Robin
0: mm-hmm.
1: as Mr. Compass Box. Yes. Behind the table, telling. Top quality stories and, and capturing attention. We've also had the opportunity to work with him as um, a a builder, a, an assistant craft distillery reputation builder. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I don't think that's how he puts it on his business card. It's time for but, change. But that's definitely <laughs> how I think of him. Uh, and so I think that's so, his new title. and so you asked you asked the right question Uh, and I and I know that I I enjoy giving you these compliments Uh from your interviews Uh, you asked him the right question which is in 2017 we have hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of craft distilleries Mm -hmm. just in the United States yeah right the last number I saw was 1500 um, I'm, yeah, I think there's far more than that right now. Right. Yeah, I have no idea which way it's gone from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that—that's—that's that's a shit ton. We're using this official industry measurement today, uh, shit ton <laughs> of American craft distillers. Yeah. And and the question that that we all have is, what will the market hold? How is this going to work for everybody? Mm. And and I think Robin's very honest response is it's not going to work for everybody.
2: Yeah.
1: And yeah. how do you make sure your spirit is the one being lauded? And how do you make sure yours is the distillery that's in the conversation? Yeah. Uh, and and I thought his 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 comments on what he what it is he does in that working capacity with craft distillers was absolutely fascinating. So here he is.
0: So, I mean, when I first met you, you, uh, you were with Compass Box, and you were selling living crap out of Compass Box, but doing it in a way, teaching people about blends and how blends can be beautiful, right? Okay, but now, now you and Compass Box, you're, you still do some work for them, as I understand. Yeah. But now you're doing your own thing. You, you are helping smaller brands, craft brands, so on and so forth, to gain awareness within this massive sea yeah. of, of brands. Of brands. So, so what are you doing to help shine a light
3: on these brands that need help? So the first thing I do is I'll, I create what I call the narrative for them. And the narrative is their unique soul of who they are. Um, it encompasses their origin story, the challenges that they've met in the industry, the, their, their production methods, their goals, their hopes, you know, mm-hmm. their ethos. Mm-hmm. And I turned that into a sales bible. I turned that into an activation. This is exactly how you activate this, right? So here's the, when you're with your distributor, yeah this is the part that gets activated for the distributor because they hear with very different ears than if you're out in the trade. So when you're talking to the trade, then they're hearing with a different ear off-premise to on-premise. When you go on-premise, you've got like different levels of bartenders out there that hear yeah. with different ears. Yeah. So being able to actually take your entire narrative, not just the story, not just the, the, the narrative. A story is like a room. A narrative is like a house with many doors to it and what you're doing is you're allowing people to pick the door that they want to get into the house so that they can discover the whole thing so with a a story just you know by itself is just a room and then it it could be um, replicated amongst all the other brands out there but no one has your own narrative no one it's yours it's what makes you unique. And so what I try to do is bring that out. Um, and in doing so, then we put it down. Uh, it, this gets down on paper. And um, and I, I have a methodology that I create for it. And then we show, okay, here's how it gets activated. Here's how it gets activated in every part of the three-tier system. You know, from distribution to trade to consumers. You know. So that's, that's an interesting set of points you have there
0: so as, as far as our listenership goes I I don't know the demographic if you know is it trade people is it con- I know there's a lot of consumers right punters if you will how do you talk
3: to consumers about these brands Because well, consumers love stories yeah. we all love stories we buy Stories. I mean, it's a, it's an old adage in the industry that the story sells the spirit. You know, so it's the story that sells, and people love. You know, we are DNA wired, hardwired to receive and tell stories. Yeah. Right. It's the essence of civiliz- civilization for 25,000 years. But it's again, you have to kind of gauge the ear that you're telling the story in. So, with consumers, when we're at consumer events, depending on the time. A situation like you know uh, in a, a show, you have to grab somebody immediately, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to typically shout that stuff out. Um, and uh, but the longer someone stays with you, then you can actually kind of bring yeah. a lot of this out there. Yeah. Um, I typically try to put some piece of the origin story married with the production method,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right? this way this gives me you know i can't i may not be able to get from a to h but i can either get i can get a b and c in there yeah. you know and then the longer someone sticks around the, the more if you're you know doing an event and you've got the luxury of 30 minutes with somebody then you can tell the entire thing and you can go you know do the background but story form you know it's in story form that's what i found out to be you know, and I've sold not only in the liquor industry, but I sold in technology. And that's really where I learned it. You know, I learned, you know, how selling in technology, you know, and I was with like tiny, small little brands, like Silicon Valley startups that were up mm-hmm. against, you know, SAP and, uh, and, wow. uh, and, and, and Microsoft. And we would get our, our butts kicked a lot. But when we came in and were able to actually get the narrative out, um, and match that with their business requirements, um, then it was it was potent. yeah yeah, yeah. so I kind of brought that to the liquor industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like
0: the path that you have chosen for yourself uh, is one that is helping the small guy, which I think is beautiful. Right. However, it sounds like this never-ending uphill, like you are walking to
3: school uphill both ways every day. Every day, day, yeah. It's a hand-sell. It's a hand-sell world. There's an art to hand-selling, you know, because you have to be quick, you have to be smarter, you have to be wittier, Yeah. you know. You actually have to bring the whole game uh, to the court. Um, You can't phone it in. You've got no marketing budget, right? You don't have air cover, yeah. you know, traditional marketing air cover. Um, and you build it one drinker at a time, yeah. you know, you build one customer at a time. And um, so that's, yeah, it is, I mean, it's it, it's a tough way to sell, but, you know, to me, it's real selling, it's really selling. Yeah. And it's incredibly satisfactory and, you know, very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. We're living right now in a time where craft distilling in the U.S. has exploded, continues to, to grow, but I, I wonder what the tipping point is, right? I, I wonder at what point does it become
3: too much? What do you see as the future for American craft distilling? Well, the reason I was excited about jumping into this segment because about six or seven years ago, when I started meeting the first wave of craft distillers that were out there at the time, and this was like Ralph, Lorenzo, uh, and <clears throat> Chip Tate, and uh, Lance Winter, and um, Todd Leopold, and you know, a bunch of guys. And I started to see the impact that that was having on the people that they were interacting with. Yeah. And as I saw it coming, I realized. I said this is this is it this is really where the future of brown spirits is at and it's going to affect not only how we sell and and how we market but what what we actually taste so you think about some of these guys we we think of the concept of beer right that we were talking about the concept of beer to a craft distiller is very very different Mm -hmm. than the concept of beer to a a large you know distiller The beer is there only solely for the alcohol uh, and only in order to get distilling started. But these guys, I mean, they're like making flavorful beers and then going from there. And so they're doing stuff with grain that previously hasn't been done before. Now, there's a reason for that because the whiskeys are coming out young immediately and you have to have some sort of flavor there. So that has actually caused a lot of these young guys and women to really look at the whole front end process in a completely different way now. You know, so that you can put something in, a, in a, a bottle that's a year or a year and a half old. And what you're getting is this really beautiful panoply of flavors that are coming from the grain and the, the mash, uh, different mash bills. It's awesome. And that, I think, is really going to transform um, our drinking habits and, and, I, and our concept of flavor.
0: Yeah, I I have to say that uh, Panoply is the word of the podcast So I want to thank you For that (laughs) So where were we, other than Panoply?
3: Um, The flavors um, Yes um, Where where was it going? So where it's going is um, We're going to see All these distilleries um, Now start to slim down Mm. I've I think everybody predicts that there's gonna be some copper on the market you know yeah. in the next five or six years yeah. um the market can't handle as many brands that are, are on the market right now and um we're seeing consolidation we're seeing uh you know um small brands that are actually being now bought you know by by large companies and adding them to the portfolio and, and giving them the money you know to uh to, to kind of get out there mm-hmm. um so there's gonna be some consolidation but Quite honestly, the, the 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 landscape has changed forever. It's changed forever now, um, and uh, it'll just be fewer than than you have out there right now. You know, there's a fatigue going on. You know, there's a fatigue yeah. in the marketplace. It's at the distributor level. It's at the it's at the retail level. It's it's in the bars and the restaurants. Kind of like man, another one, and yet another one, yet another one. So um, um, so that's eventually gonna weed out. You know yeah. some brands. Yeah, and
0: yeah. There's, there there
3: there are a few that have already,
0: in, in my opinion, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I, I I sure as hell hope I'm not. But there are a few that have, from from the outset, stood out head and shoulders above the others for whatever reason. Maybe they're making better product. Maybe um, they they have that story right that is is more interesting than than someone else's story. Maybe they have good marketing behind it, maybe they've got good people behind it, and I'm gonna, if you don't mind, and I hope he doesn't mind, we also have with us uh, Mr. Winston Edwards from Balcones Distillery, which has become a really iconic American brand. You're known for just massive, big, bold flavors with, with your single malts. You do some really interesting products, uh, a rumble cask, rumble cask reserve, which is, what is that?
4: It's a spirit. So, <clears throat> distilled from fermented sugar, honey, and pigs. Kind of like a rum, kind of like a brandy, but none of the above.
0: Back to the distillery in and of itself.
4: Did you did you guys
0: have challenges from the outset that you didn't expect? And now where you are, I mean, is it is it smooth sailing at this point, or are you still facing some unexpected challenges as, as a craft producer that's up against, you know, thinking of American brands, you're, even though you're not a bourbon producer, you know, there are the Jim Beams of the world and the wild turkeys and and the so on. And that's what people think of when they think of American
4: whiskey. You know, the biggest challenge for us right now is, uh, kind of realizing how much product we're making and, um, there's going to come a point in time where we don't sell everything that we make. So we're actually going to have to go out there and try. For the past three years, all of our products have been on allocation because the demand outweighed the supply ten to one. But we're closing that gap pretty quickly now. And there's, you know, two years from now, we're going to have ten times as much whiskey as we ever did. So that means we're going to have to put a lot of effort actually into, you know, pushing that narrative and exposing people to it so it just means that (laughs) it's smooth sailing for our distillers at this point short of getting the new stills installed right now but i know in two years there's gonna be a buttload of work for me to to uh to be faced with
0: well it's definitely about time you started working (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
4: yeah really (laughs) Your people are I'm texting right now.
0: <laughs> Robin had a really interesting metaphor, and it's something that that I think you and I think about, and I think it's it's yeah. a way in which the both of us work. But he 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 verbalized it in a way that that I hadn't heard before, where he he talked about you know every brand there's a narrative behind a brand or a narrative behind selling. And depending on who you're talking to, you're telling a different story about that brand. So the narrative is is sort of a house. And within that house, there are various stories. So where are you taking that person so that they can grasp whatever it is you're trying to give to them about that particular brand? I really, really enjoyed that because you have to think on your toes with people. Everybody's coming at you from a different angle and you need getting back to what you had said about everyone behind a whiskey jubilee table must know about a brand inside and out sideways and forward yeah yeah we have to too and anybody who is in the whiskey business selling whiskey trying to promote brands grow brands needs to do that and his metaphor i thought was spot on
1: well it's certainly when you're in a consumer event there are some consumers who you just want to show them the house right yeah uh, and i know for us you know it's tam do Right. There's there's the house. Tam do. Now, let's get Mm -hmm. a taste. And on you, jolly, well, go. If That person hangs around. And this is what Robin was starting to say in the interview. As you've got the attention of that person, you bring them in, you show them the room. Right. And then you show them an additional room on top of that. And depending how much time you get, depends how many rooms you can show them. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you're at a busy festival. Somebody puts out their hand with a glass in it and you put some Tam do 10 in it. and You go Tam do 10. Boom, there's the house. Yeah. They walk away. And they're yeah. sipping it. And you're just hoping, Tam do 10, Tam I do remember. 10, Tam do 10. Just resonate with them. And then for some people who want to stand at your table, and you say, oh, combination, first and second, fill Sherry casks. Yeah. You know, nice combination, of the sweet and the spicy. Give them something to look for when there's so much hubbub around them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then if they're still standing there, you get to say, oh, yeah, formerly owned by Edrington. You're know, oh, always in the shadow. McAllen, Island Park, yeah. famous grouse, right? It's, it's
0: exactly what Robin is describing. Yeah, um, and <clears throat> let me just add on to that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's it sounds as if the conversations you are talking about right there and then tend to be you're talking to the consumer,
2: mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Those are your
0: consumer mm-hmm. conversations. Mm-hmm. Then someone comes to your table and it's Joe the bartender. And Joe the bartender comes by and he's like, is he, is he any rela is he the cousin of Joe the plumber <laughs> yeah, he's his night owl cousin. He's got um, a mustache he's got Man. a leather vest, tattoos on his neck. How many
1: elections does that go back? Joe the plumber was he the one before this one? That
0: was the one with uh John McCain and yeah. Sarah yep. Palin. Yeah, I thought I thought so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're back to Joe the bartender. Okay. So, yeah, so Joe, Joe the, Joe the bartender, Joe the bartender
1: is at my table now.
0: We don't discuss politics. We don't discuss politics. Or his cousin. Or his cousin. Or his neck tattoos. Okay. Or his ironic mustache. Right. So here's what he needs to know. You know, a bartender, a bar owner, or someone who's creating a bar program. Yes, sir. Uh, where they are, say, cocktail focused, because you know, a lot of bars will be using. Whiskey's for cocktails, or maybe just sometimes for pours, mm-hmm. they're in the business of making money,
1: yes, sir.
0: And then you have the conversation of okay, here's Tam Du 10. Okay, good. What's the story with it? You tell them the yeah. story, yep. What's my price? Yep, because what he wants to know is how much is it a pour? Yep, so he knows how much he can charge, he knows how much of it can go into a cocktail, he's constructing cocktails in his mind right then and there and so again it's going into yet another room another story within that narrative of okay what's the information he needs to know about obviously he needs to to taste it and understand it and and hopefully love it but now he has to figure out how to sell it him loving it does not necessarily mean he's going to buy it and incorporate it within his bar correct and and so that's information that needs to get communicated
1: and if the price is a little high in his head, you have to communicate why it's good value. If that price is lower, you both celebrate the fact that a little money is going to go a long way. <laughs> it's it's an interesting dance. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, and, and this, uh, you know as I mentioned earlier, this Monday, Tuesday, where I did a trade show each day, um, and I had nine different things on the table. This was not a consumer event. This really was. Uh, bars restaurants and stores retail stores and each of my nine products had two or three things to say it's it's a funny timing process where as you're picking up the bottle and showing it pulling the cork pouring a little sample and handing it over you're talking yeah right that's that's your opportunity they're not doing any drinking they're not focused on what's in their glass because you're still filling it for them that's your talking time. Yeah. And then as I hand it off to them, I'm selling them on one more aspect of it. Whatever yeah. that aspect is, yeah. I'm selling them on one more aspect of it. Then I try to leave them alone, give them that 30 seconds, nosing, tasting. I might try and deliver something to look for. Just one thing, not a laundry list, not a grocery list mm-hmm. of, of uh, tasting notes, but just something. Mouthfeel, oil, Fruit bomb, malt—just one of those things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: for depending on the brand, just for them to look for, and then as they're starting, oh, hmm, yeah, I, I could, I could, I could do something with this. Then we transition very quickly into price. What's your price point? It's not a discussion, right? They want to know what it is. Yeah. Like, like I said, yeah, a moment yeah. ago. If they, if they then go, and they're they're making the facial expression that that's a bit much. Boom! Then you got to follow up and say why? Why is that the price? Yeah, and it might be the alcohol strength of it. It might be a limited run. It might be a few casks. There has to be something there that tells them why that price is the price. But it's not a negotiation. I'm not going to take down the price while boring. Right? Yet no, it's it it it's an explanation. But you get it. I get it. Robin gets it. Different stories for different people Mm. based on different amount of times. Yeah. Right. If you're and I I think we we all believe in the value of this word. If you're privileged enough to pour for somebody in front of your table, you better deliver fast for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I had had an interesting moment uh, last week where I was debuting the Japanese whiskeys. We debuted Oishi into the Georgia market. Oh, nice, nice. And it's funny because as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I I was there three times in, in three weeks. The first two times, I poured Scotchies and here's somebody in Atlanta talking to a Scots guy about Scotch whiskey (laughs) and it's, it's such a shortcut to legitimacy. Such a shortcut. I like, I almost feel bad that it's so much of a shortcut to legitimacy because I could easily be standing there with a Scottish accent and know nothing. Um, but the accent (laughs) is such a shortcut. Um, and so then I went back that next week and debuted the Oishi and yeah. the number of people who said, Huh, a Scotsman selling Japanese whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> it was really telling. And so 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 then, just as as we talk about legitimacy and yeah. you kind know, of proving that you know what you're talking about for the person in front of you, I would I would talk about Japanese whiskey using Scotch whiskey as a reference point and talking about even japanese malt whiskey tradition Mm -hmm. coming in from the you know the first quarter of the 20th century and oishi having a tradition that predates that but then talking about a wash that comes out double the strength of a scottish wash Mm. having a distillation in in stainless steel where there are no cuts unlike scotland so even Mm. then i was still trying to use my scottish legitimacy yeah To sell
0: Japanese whiskey. Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you said that because that was my narrative on Tuesday at the Chicago Indie Spirits Expo, where I don't have legitimacy. I'm neither Scottish or Japanese. (laughs) And so, you know, I have to talk to Americans as an American about Scotch whiskey, make sure they have an understanding. Okay, great. You have an understanding of that? Cool. Let's talk about Oishi. Yep. Malt whiskey production started in Japan in 1923. This yep. distillery was built in 1874, right? 100%, yep. And and then yep. you, and you start to talk about a more traditional, I wouldn't say more traditional, but a tradition that started earlier in Japan than malt whiskey did, and you get to talking about that production and, and that purity. I really like that point that you made Um, For people who don't know, Oishi is a uh, a distillery, It's one of the oldest distilleries in Japan. They make a whiskey from a rice distillate. But the point you made before, where there's no cuts in that distillation. Now, you and I, when we sort of recapped our trip to Isla, and -hmm. we're talking about where they're taking their heart's cuts, where the heart's cuts end. Exactly. and, And, you know, how Kolila distills compared to Lagavulin and everything like that. You know, where you have this distillery... Oishi that has devised a way of distilling where they're using a stainless steel still, say that three times real fast, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where they're not taking a single cut because in the fermentation process, yeah. uh, they're creating a, a, a wash, if you will, that would not produce methanol in the distillation process. So they take everything. When Japanese whiskey came to the U.S., or maybe not came to the U.S., but as people were starting to talk about it, and this is pre-2013 before the big Japanese whiskey boom happened, people would say, oh, Japanese whiskey, what is that made from rice? And it was that sort of negative connotation for whatever reason.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And But now we get to talk about Japanese whiskey from rice in a very positive way. And to turn that story on its head, so again, it, it goes back to what Robin had said, it's, it's that narrative. What is that narrative, and how are you telling that story? What room are you bringing those people into as you tell that story?
1: Yep, yep. I, I, you brought it wonderfully full circle uh, and, and closed out this little bit of the podcast. I do want to just throw in one more thing, and, and, I know, and I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Last week... Oh. I read an industry report. Look at you reading. Yeah. That sake sales
2: yeah.
1: are taking off. Through the roof. Yeah. Because, and they're attributing this oh, I'm getting to, excited. A, to a more adventurous yeah. American consumer. Yes. Yeah. And I think it speaks quite nicely to what you're just saying about, and I agree with you 100%, when Japanese whiskey. Was first appearing on American shores, people said, "Is this made from rice?" And they said it in a disparaging way. Yes. And now here we are. Saki sales are going bananas,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're selling aishi, made from malted and unmalted rice. Yeah. What a what a different time. And I think it speaks to that evolution that Robin started with in the very beginning mm-hmm. of the industry continues to evolve people continue to look for interesting
0: products yeah and interesting stories and interesting flavors i'm going to add something See, you, you <laughs> were, were going to top it off i'm going to top it off too so he, here i am i'm in chicago just, uh, just admit yeah. that i closed that out rather fantastically no, you know, for that being an add-on point you know what you took it from the bottom brought it to the top okay now let's see if you can do it for a second time Well, I'm thinking back to what Robin had said about where interesting flavors are coming from and where these craft distilleries are thinking a bit more about their front end rather than the maturation part to find fun and interesting flavors because American craft distillers don't necessarily have time to wait for their whiskeys to mature and cask. So they're trying to figure out where else can we get flavor from So even for say malt whiskey, they're changing up their their malt bill, kind of like what Westland does, five different malts uh, in their mash bill and so on. Yep. Just on Tuesday before the the expo, I was at uh, Warehouse Liquors, met up with our good friend, Gene Charnas. Good friend? Yep, and the gentleman behind Long Island spirits or pine barrens you may have seen pine barrens bourbons and single malts have you seen that before
1: yeah i poured next to the long island guy uh
0: two weeks ago in atlanta spoke oh. to him about the whiskey jubilee yeah okay so <laughs> absolutely wonderful guy he comes in uh gene wanted me to meet him and we're tasting some of his whiskeys and he's making amazing beers yeah Yeah, yeah. And then putting them, distilling them and putting them into cask. And I tasted one that the flavors were amazing. And they were flavors that you would never, ever get from traditional distilling practices for making bourbon, single malt, rye, what have you. Because instead of just trying to make a wash, you know, or a beer to distill, he's making... An amazing craft beer, and then distilling that, and then putting it into good, you know, 53 gallon barrels and creating a product you'd not be able to taste anywhere else. And it was so damn good. And so, just getting back to what Robin had said is yes, we're going to see some craft distillers drop off, and that's really unfortunate, but we're going to see some rise to the top or stay in business. Because they are distilling their way out of the box. They're doing something that captures their audience's attention through quality. And how do they get to that quality? Yep.
1: I also, I also think we'll see that emphasis on, on local, which they've already been built on the back of local. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same way that craft, there's still a lot of hyper-local craft. Mm-hmm. So also a number of craft breweries who have gone national um, and built distilleries in other states to yeah. Inc- inc- yeah. increase uh, that distribution. But uh, I think we'll see that that hyper locality uh, happen with uh, craft distilling yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. And people will really champion their local and really support them. But you might not necessarily have any sales happening fifteen hundred miles away. Yeah. Or you know a thousand miles away. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a I think it's a very interesting market. And I've loved being there f- from the inception mm-hmm. and and watching it very closely to see where it goes. Um and so and I'm glad Robin is doing his best to represent craft as well uh with the various craft distillers that, that he's working with. And yeah. I wish
0: him yeah. continued success. You know you know what I do? Okay, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. why <laughs> would I do anything different? That'd be weird. I don't know. It'd...
1: You just said it weird. hope <laughs> <laughs> that guy has a terrible
0: future. <laughs> I say it weird. This is how we do it. Pick okay. your nose and chew it. Okay. All right. Okay. And steam. Hey, Jason. Hey, Joshua. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> what are you ready for? I
1: have no idea. <laughs> but I'm ready.
0: You know, my daughters do. uh, There's this popsico thing. Do you know the popsico thing?
1: No, I don't. When it comes to things that 10 year old people know, it's it changes on a daily basis, hourly basis.
0: Oh, my gosh. Every every day, every week. Hey, Dad. Hey, what? Are you ready? Ready to what? Pop? Pop what? popsicle my hands are high my feet are low and this is I popsicle his hands are high his feet are low this is our popsicle popsicle pop popsicle you don't know that? come on come on everybody knows that write in <laughs> to questions under One Nation at, questions at One Nation under whiskey if you know what I'm talking about also and write, in. write
1: in right in if you don't know him we'll be overwhelmed we'll <laughs> be in <a> deluge <laughs> popsicle okay
0: yeah yeah. So what time um, is it, Josh? It is time. Some would say it's time to get ill. But I to would take say. take off
1: your hat while you're recording? I'm going to take off my hat.
0: It's getting hot in here, so I'm going to take off <laughs> my hat. hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's time for the news. Hooray! <laughs> extra,
2: extra! Read all about it, life story of Playboy penny. Extra, 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 extra!
0: You, Jason, have some exciting news to share with our with our dear listeners. I do, indeed. Yeah.
1: We, we've spoken briefly, previously, yeah. about our Craig double cask. Yeah, this was last uh, episode. Heavily sherried, coming to these shores, pre-sales we're going to launch. Mm-hmm. It's still on the boat. Oh, yeah. It is very close to the San Francisco port. Yes. And it is sold out. It's sold out so quickly. Brilliant. Yeah. Wonderful, 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 wonderful news. So, thank you to every single single Cast Nation member who got their order in. I'm very, very happy that you secured one for yourself. Yes. If you did miss out, it is now becoming ever more important to remember that bottles are moving quickly. Yeah. We shall return to this in our email segment oh look at that but in the meantime yes we are a month from whiskey jubilee chicago near a month away
0: yeah yep and what do we want to tell the kind listeners okay listen closely now so far up until this point a lot of people are listening and they're driving and they're paying attention to the road stop that No, 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 seriously, don't stop that. Pay attention, drive safe. <laughs> but something that I want to point out is is there are still a few tickets available. And I want to remind people, if you are not a Single Cask Nation member, now is as good a time as any to become one because as a Single Cask Nation member, and membership is free, it's as free as going to our website and creating an account, as a Single Cast Nation member, you get the lowest price on any and all Whiskey Jubilee tickets. So Chicago, which is a $95 ticket, all-you-can-eat buffet, two to three hundred whiskeys, cigars, etc., three hours, probably the cheapest night in Chicago you'll ever have, you'll get 15% off. Become a member and we will be sending an email out to all of our members, reminding them of the discount code where they can use that to buy a ticket to Jubilee. A $95 ticket becomes an $80 ticket. Not too shabby. That's a good, that's a yeah. good price, yeah, good bad. price. Everybody who walks away from it loves it, loves it, loves it. It is a jolly good night out. And you know, something interesting. I, this is one last thing I want to mention. Chicago is, is such a great whiskey city. It is. F- but from a whiskey event standpoint, they're naughty. They're naughty. <laughs> They're naughty, naughty. Well, here's what's happening. There are two really great shows that have amazing prices, right? You've got the Binny's World of Whiskies. It's like a $50 ticket. And you've got the Chicago, you know, the Indie Spirits Expo. Where and you just were. Where I just was. A great event. None of the, neither of these shows have food. Mm. So when people say, oof, I don't know, that's that's a little much. I have to remind people that you go there and you have all you can eat food. Food It's a lot of food. It's a lot of food. Food is a huge factor in the price of the ticket, but we feel it's necessary to make sure people keep their heads about them. And it's not just about whiskey. I mean, Good whiskey, good food, a good night with friends. So $95 becomes an $80 ticket to Single Cast Nation members. We'll email you the discount code. If you don't get it, email us. Questions at One Nation Under Whiskey. And, uh, and we'll get you that code. And for 80 bucks, the cheapest night out in Chicago, you will have for dinner and drinks. I have some breaking news. <gasps> yes. What did it break?
1: I have our Kregelike double cask in my glass. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so let's pivot out of the news. Oh, pivot to the email segment. Yep. We just received this. I know. Oh, uh, this is great. Literally, uh while recording this podcast, uh, both of us saw our, our phone blow up and uh and here it comes. Uh Question for O N U W. What does that stand for, Jason? There's a period after each letter. This is just so beautifully crafted. No, no, he did well. Yeah, uh, I desperately hope it's one nation under whiskey. Uh, otherwise, uh, Paul Marco sent this to the wrong place. Wow,
0: it could so, be other nations <laughs> under
1: <laughs> other nations under
0: Walt. Disney World. Well, Dis- yes, that's the W that you were looking for. It all goes together. Uh,
1: so Paul Markle uh, from California writes, Joshua and Jason, I am loving the podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> that's a Joshua joke. Look, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Have a nice day. Don't tell me what to do.
0: <laughs> I'm going to stop doing good work. that's it done for my question slash
1: so it might be singular it might be plural coming up here we'll see what happens I noticed the Kregeliki bottle sold out pretty quickly you are spot on my friend apropos just wondering how well you guys predict what bottles will sell better slash quicker than others do you find that heavily sherried whiskey, no E, so good? That's his comment. That's his parenthetical comment, yeah. is no E. No, he's good. He's that good. Yep. Do you, so, do you find that heavily sherried whiskey, no E, is more popular? I am really surprised the Lafroy five year old is still available. Parenthetical comment as Josh. Would say don't know what that is. Go on. It says as his friend, his friend Josh. Oh, it's, okay. His uh, friend Josh says that, as <laughs> Josh would say, it is delightful. Thanks again for the great service you provide to fellow whiskey geeks. Cheers, Paul Marco, California. Yeah. Ah, uh, cheers, Paul. That's a terrific,
0: terrific question, and your timing is impeccable. It's, impe- <laughs> yeah, it's really amazing. It it kind of makes me nervous that he has access to our Google Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> i'm also questioning whether i should say it's impeccable
1: we should check whether he managed to secure any bottles because he might be sending this because his timing is not impeccable oh, and he yeah. didn't secure any yeah, bottles
0: take a look at that
1: um so so let, let, let me let me start with the second you can unpack uh, it actually it's it's uh it's his comment because i agree wholeheartedly uh, where he says he's really surprised the Laphroaig five-year-old is still available. Yeah. I am also very surprised the Laphroaig five-year-old is still available. Um, I think part of it is with this um, It it's, oh, and this, the whole narrative of the podcast, the story of the Kregeliki. Yeah. Uh, right. This, it's our first ever double cask right? A, a combination mm-hmm. of two octaves. I think it captured people. It meant we had 140 bottles. It is heavily sherried, and I'll let you speak to that part of, of Paul's question. Yeah, um, We knew coming in that we were telling people this is a brand spanking new effort from us. It's from a distillery that we haven't put together yet, uh, and it's heavily sherried and it's limited stock. It just seemed to us that this was going to be sought after. It's also arriving in October. Um, the Lafroig mm-hmm. refill bourbon, uh, but a very active bourbon uh, barrel, cask, mm-hmm. um, came in in January. We had over 300 bottles of it, uh, still cracking price on it. And I think people who, who wanted it got it. Um one of the things that, that strikes me about something like a LeFroig is if you're a, if you're a peat freak, you know that you like Lefroy and you buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not so fond of the peat smoke, you know to avoid it. It's just not up your alley. When it comes to something like a Craigellachie, which is uh, certainly not peated in any way, um, you've got both camps going after it. So limited stock. With both sherry heads and peat freaks yeah. going bananas for it, yeah. I think I think that came together for the Craigellachie going. But I agree, I'm very surprised that the, the, the LaFroy sells lovely. It's just ticking along every single week. We ship bottles of it across the United mm-hmm. States. Um,
0: it's just ticking along, lovely. And um, yeah, I, I think too though the Lafrog five year old was bottled you know not too long after our Lafroy 6 year old right and and so you know part of me wonders if you had people who may be still working on their 6 year old and they're not done no, they'll get to their Lafroy 5 year old when it comes around and when it sells out you know they they may be kicking themselves if they didn't get a bottle but i i think there may be some people that are saying well i got the, i got the 6 year old uh, I don't need the five year old it's you know it's just a year younger and uh, you know the case is that's that's not the case. It is a very different whiskey that that i I hope people who' have been holding off on may may pull the trigger on it
2: yeah because
0: yeah. it's 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 a lovely thing and you know face value you have one bottle that's five year old one bottle that was six year old and um if you're just looking at it in face value. Uh, you You could take pause uh but but i don 't think a lot of people are taking pause because, like you rightly pointed out, you know this was a very full hogshead yeah with with yeah. over three hundred bottles yep and yep. and to get to to paul's point about you know heavily sherried there's no doubt about it. color sells whiskey <laughs> right there, there there's a reason why. So many whiskeys are put out using caramel color Yeah, because the color sells. A lot of them will say, yeah. To be crystal clear, Um,
1: ours is 100% natural color with no chill filtration. Yes, 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 yes. Every single Cast Nation member knows that. Just to reiterate for anybody who doesn't know
0: that, zero caramel color in any of our releases. So you've got a lot of brands that will say we use the caramel coloring for consistency and i think that is without a doubt that is part of the truth (laughs) the other part of the truth is color cells and and yeah you know getting back to this narrative that you talked about with that kregeliki there were so many we were able to show people so many rooms in the house Yep. where one of them, two of them, three of them clicked with our members. Well, I,
1: I think 63.7% is very attractive to people and very interesting. Mm-hmm. 2008, sadly, is becoming a little bit longer ago than it used to. Uh, that's today's tautology. Yeah. And <laughs> and we have our... Uh, and the and the color of it is spot on. So so that answers that answers. <laughs> this is classic us. So we've answered the statement first. Yep. We've answered the second question second, and now we're going to answer the first question last. Yeah. Um, Can, which yeah. to which to to reiterate how well. <laughs> just wondering how well you guys predict what bottles will sell better quicker than
0: others. Well, let's let's use. The Port Charlotte that just got bottled <laughs> as an example, right? So this is this is a, a 14-year-old Port Charlotte, so heavily peated uh, brocolati, which is 40 ppm, 45 ppm on the barley, depending on who you speak to or what source you read from. And it is even darker than the Crick Aids, one of the oh. darkest, perhaps the darkest whiskey we've ever put out. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll need to see it fully bottled next to some of these previous to really see, but
0: yeah, they, yeah. they are certainly dark. But there's but no y- about that. you've got people that are without a doubt sherry heads, and we know we've got a bunch of single cast nation members that will only buy our sherry cask release stuff, and then you've got a bunch of people that are peat heads, and there's this wonderful meeting place in the middle. Correct. Right, and and we, you know, bottling sherried port, Charlotte, is something that you and I have wanted to do since 2011 when, oh, when heck we yeah. first devised this company. It's, oh my heck gosh, yeah. you know, so we finally get around to to acquiring a cask in it, and it just so happens to be amazing. Really quickly, as an aside, I got a. A message from uh, from our guy in the bottling hall, who you know I, I speak with him and and we deal with that or whatever issues need to be dealt with, and he said to me, "You're not getting this cask. I'm not allowing you to have any of this whiskey. It's not leaving my bottling hall." I apologize, but it's too damn good. You can't have it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's joking. He's being cheeky. But uh, <laughs> time will tell. Time will tell. But but, you know, he then followed up and said, this is this is absolutely amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, and,
1: and to to answer uh, Paul's question on on the Port Charlotte is there will be and I, we've said this in previous podcasts, there will be a serious countdown to the launch of this be, yeah. release so that, you know, we've we've been seeing it with the Craig Ellicke People sometimes reach out. I never saw the email. I never saw the Facebook announcement. I didn't hear about this and now it's gone. And in the attempts to bypass that, and, and we also know, we've, we've talked about it previously, we've got a wild turkey cask coming for Single Cast Nation mm-hmm. as well. And we know that that's going to require a multi-day countdown. And it's going to disappear on us as well. Um, yeah. there, there have been people asking us for months, since we first broke on the podcast, when will we see the wild turkey? So, so, so there are there. We sometimes sense internal rumblings. The ones where people continually reach out to us. The ones where people are continually asking us, "How's that coming? Is that ready mm-hmm. yet? Can I be sure of getting a bottle of this?" Um, those are the types that, when the time comes to release it. We pretty much figure that's going to disappear on us. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and then and then yeah. Let Let me just finish finish yeah. the statement. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are things like the Lafrog and the Glen Murray Twelve uh, Bourbon Cask, Madeira Cask, double maturation. Both of those over three hundred bottles, cracking, cracking whiskey. You know, we're we're probably two thirds of the way sold out on each of those casks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we brought it in after the holiday buying season.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we brought it in after OND, the three traditional big months for whiskey. Mm-hmm. And it's still been selling lovely. My guess is now we're October, November, December. I think people will will buy a, a fair whack of this.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, just to wrap up the answers to to the question about, you know, do you... How are you able to predict, or how well can you guys predict what is going to move faster, um, sell quicker? The other component is distillery. And when we launched our first uh, undisclosed, the one in the PX cask, the distillery that rhymes with uh, Schmaggish Mullen, you know, that sold out in just a few hours because how often do you find independently bottled whiskey from that distillery and it was from a px cask right
1: Uh, well and and that's i was gonna make this point earlier you know that that was our third cask at that point from that distillery yeah yeah um but again putting it in sherry just like our port charlotte really seals the deal for a lot of people Mm -hmm. so yeah so the, there are some there are some rumblings. Have, have any sold out super fast that have surprised you? I, I will I will say now that I've asked you the question. I will say that the schmaga spulen in PX. Yeah. I thought it would sell out fast. I didn't think it would sell out in a couple of hours. No, uh,
0: I I didn't either. And uh, no, I I wouldn't say that there are any others that surprised me. I think there are a few that are coming out. That it will not surprise me if they're going to sell it quickly. And we've named yes. them already, right? The, the yes. wild turkey, the Port Charlotte. We have yeah. one coming out that we cannot talk about at this moment. All right. <clears throat> it, Do yeah. I know about it? Uh, uh, a, a, a new double cask nation. Oh. Bottling. I, I don't know anything about that. Don't know anything about that, but. Um, I've been sworn to secrecy. Huh. <laughs> this this is going to be light speed. Light speed. You think so?
1: Um, I think it'll go as fast as a heavily sherried Port Charlotte 14-year-old for $125 and any
0: wild turkey single casket natural gas strength. It will not go as fast because we'll have more liquid to ah, work with. Ah, that's
1: it. There we are. We're back again, right? Right. right? Yeah. But,
0: but comparatively speaking, I yeah. think it will sell more quickly than if we had you know one hogshead from this distillery, one hogshead from that distillery and sold them okay. individually I think okay. this being two casks put together will sell out quicker than two individual casks from differing distilleries.
1: Okay, well yeah. pay attention to ongoing One Nation Under Whiskey news segments <laughs> where we uh, announce our second double cask yeah. that we're currently sworn to secrecy on. <laughs> okay. Cool, thanks for the question Paul, that was yeah, that was Um, I was going to try and squeeze it in earlier, but you wouldn't stop talking. Uh, When you were talking about the
2: yeah,
1: I got a a text from our our good friend, Michael Nolan, gets mentioned lots of times on the podcast. And he texted me last night and said, had the Single Cast Nation retail LaFroy 10 year old. I had a preview sample bottle with me. Yeah. uh, The rest of the text is in capital letters. Wow. 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 Loved it. (laughs) So Michael Nolan's clearly on the fence about the incoming Lafroig 10-year-old that will be retail exclusive. Um, And I think that one will sell out quickly, but uh, in terms of that side of the business, we will be selling it to distributors and they will be getting it into their stores. Well,
0: being that there's only 144 bottles from the
3: cask.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... Thank you, Paul, for your question. Oh, we got a, a really nice comment from someone—someone someone that we respect greatly. Now, it now. is it's someone yeah.
1: who didn't necessarily need to be mentioned on the podcast. His words, not mine. Yeah. But Chad Robinson. Yeah. We've been talking about uh, craft mm-hmm. distilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, a part of this podcast and he does an amazing job representing the Catalton
0: Creek. Yeah, uh Excellent. listeners of the uh of the podcast may remember him from the New York Whiskey Jubilee episode. We I interviewed him for a short while on that episode.
1: Yeah. And he was a he was a good ad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um he, he said something wonderful. And just like I only read a little segment out of Mark Watt's email in the last episode, mm-hmm. I'm just going to read a little segment uh, out of the conversation that I had with Chad. Uh, and he so very kindly says, I love the podcast. I never get to see you two enough, so it is like I'm hanging out with you. I talk to my iPad. You never respond. <laughs> Rude.
0: <laughs> so... Here we are. and yeah, yeah, don't, don't respond. We, don't respond. Oh, <laughs> no, don't, leave it there. Leave it hanging, Jason. Why break? Why break? Why buck the trend? But
1: I, I love the fact that here we are running an industry podcast yeah. uh, with both members of the industry listening to us yeah. and people uh, on the consumer side of things uh, who have never had the, the good fortune to meet listening to us as well. and um, And hopefully... You enjoy getting to to participate in the conversation that Josh and I have, uh, even if it's just shouting at your radio uh, or at your teletyper. Uh, <laughs> uh, however, however you communicate with us, we thank you. You just want me uh, to do the old man voice. That's what you do
0: every, every episode. <laughs> I want him to do the old man voice. Say something about
1: shouting out to your radio in the old man voice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why are you two still talking? This is nonsense. Quick, Jane, go over to the Chesterfield and give me my keys. No, the Chesterfield. No, the Davenport. Please get me my keys and my walker. Oh my goodness. Where's my AARP card? Oh <laughs> I like Ike. <laughs>
1: Well done on I Like Ike. That was tremendous. Oh, there you go. I, I applaud you for that one. Well done, sir.
0: That is my political uh, statement of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: I Like Ike. It's so ridiculous. I Like Ike. Oh, good gosh. Yeah. Good gosh, sir.
0: Um, not Ike Turner, by the way. Oh, he was not oh, a good guy. Just to clarify. Just to clarify. No, I'm not a fan this of Ike Turner. old man Turner. voice would not like... <laughs> A
1: known <laughs> abuser, a domestic abuser uh, of Tina Turner. Of Thunderdome, so.
0: come on. Glad we're glad we're clear on all of that. Yeah. So, uh, is that it? Are we, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. That's it. Um, before Did we keep we, it under an hour. No, because we still have misconceptions, and I <laughs> oh, need to <laughs> <ship apps. Okay. laughs> I need to just remind people how to get in touch with us. But before I do, I I want to thank everybody who has been. Uh, giving us some good ratings on iTunes. And that's been great, saying good things, giving five stars. So thank you. Please keep doing that. If you have good things to say, and uh, please do that there. If you have any criticisms or comments, uh, please contact us directly, and, and we'll address them accordingly. Uh, but if you want to email us like our good friend Paul Marco did, I think we can call him our good friend at this point. So
1: long as he's got a couple of balls of Craig Ellick, so if he yeah, doesn't, a, then
0: we're probably not his good friends. Yeah, yeah. That's on his end, <laughs> though, not ours. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You can email us questions at One Nation Under Whiskey. If you're like our friend Balancer, you can reach out to us uh, via Instagram at One Nation Under Whiskey. Uh, that photo of you and Balancer on Instagram—that was so funny. <laughs> he's a good guy. I, I liked running into him. um if you are like our friend natalie yes uh weisenbaum Uh, yes yeah you can reach out to us on twitter we haven't heard from natalie in a while but you know know i don't want to put any pressure Uh, you know she's busy she is busy at one nation whiskey and then finally 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 facebook.com slash one nation under whiskey so that is how you can reach us i think now jason is a perfect time to hand the mic over to Robin, who had some misconceptions to share with us.
1: Yeah, a couple of good ones here.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'll see what I can do as far as editing goes, just so people know some of the audio gets a little shady. Feel free to insert insert in your own words that, that you feel may be missing from from Robin's comments. <laughs> to be
1: clear, you were walking in the Windy City while interviewing him on your portable microphone. Yes, That's a series of high-level challenges. <laughs> but mo- most of his words came through. There are a couple of uh, quiet spots
3: here. Yeah, so yeah. So we'll, we'll see how bon it
0: chance. Is. Yep, good chance.
3: Well, first of all, you know, I worked for a, a blending company, so I really had to work hard to actually dispel the misconception that anybody who blends something, that the blends were inferior to something else, yeah. you know, especially with Scotch whiskey. You know, and I use the analogy of food and cigars, when a chef is in the kitchen, he is blending flavors. Yeah. So this is essentially, you know, uh, one of the things that I, that I started to address uh, early on it was the whole idea of like any time you hear the word blend, it means inferiority. And uh, yeah, so that was like one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Then you have the ones with the, the caramel color and, you know, oh, I, the, oh, I here was a good one that um, uh, that the water that the the distillation, the distillation um, is colored. And um, when it comes out of the still, it comes out of a certain color because of the water that went into it. And I said, where did you hear that? And she goes, well, I heard it at the distillery. I said, oh my God, oh my God. You heard this at the uh-huh. distillery? She goes, yeah, in Scotland. I said, no, 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 no. Uh-huh. This had to be a dream yeah. somewhere. Or, or they told it on April Fool's yeah, Day. Or they, or- yeah, it's like, oh my God. So that was another one. That, I remember hearing that one early on. That was just, that cracked me up. Really? <laughs> wow. You know, uh-huh. so that was another huge one. You know what? It, it only goes to show
0: how much work has to be done to sort of reverse Information that's been told to people, yeah, and just educate them. Period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome, man.
3: Yeah, fun. All right. Yep. Now let's go pour some whiskey.
1: It is with great love in my heart. Yes. That we extend multiple thanks to Robin Robinson for his time, mm-hmm. Winston Churchill Edwards for his cameo.
0: Yeah.
1: And I personally extend great love in my heart towards you, Joshua Hatton. Oh, look at that. For conducting that wonderful interview while you were in
0: Chicago. It It is a, an absolute pl- pleasure getting to see Robin, talking He's with him. Sir. He's such a good guy. And and Winston, too. You know, it's it's funny. And you'll see this more and more now that you are doing work for impacts you're going to be running into some regulars and i see winston i definitely don't get to see him as much as i'd like to um but i get to see him more than i used to Mm. and i absolutely love the guy i think he's great and it was a a pleasure hanging out with him it always is so hopefully to get uh, him on a future episode oh look at that look at you taking words out of my mouth hey hey. and not rude words either so hooray! fuck yeah so thank you, Jason, for your time today and yeah. and taking time out of your <laughs> your now insanely busy schedule. It's horrific. Uh, to, it's
1: horrific, but we do good work, and it is OND, yeah. and we yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I got a house to buy, so that's the work. <laughs>
0: if you want the rewards? You got to put in the work. You had mentioned before, oh, panably. Yes, Robin and I discussing panoply, so if you want to hear uh our discussion on on that word, we unpack it a little bit. um <laughs> stick around after the song uh only after I, the, I can only Im-
1: I can only imagine the people who are in their cars like these guys like even when they end their episode, <laughs> they still don't stop it's the
0: long goodbye. either yeah.
1: talking or presenting more or yeah well you know you choose it's like adding water to your whiskey you decide what's right for you
0: we're just gonna keep giving you cask strength product yep and and you know giving you funny looks when you add an ice cube to it oh
1: god people say that to me all the time i haven't killed anybody yet but one
0: day i had everyone yeah so we, we need to talk we need we this needs to be discussed
1: People are like, they love themselves so much. <laughs> They're so in love with the
0: sounds of their own voices. No, I love the sound of your voice, Jason.
1: I love the sound of your okay. voice!
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, this happens at any show. Every show. Yeah. At least one guy comes to comes to my table with his glass asking for a whiskey and he has an ice cube preloaded into his glass whoa and when i'm angry joshua which is very rare i say in the calmest voice possible what sir is that in your glass he tells me it's a nice gift and then i pour him whiskey <laughs> i just want him to know that i do not approve of this
1: <laughs> does he pick up from you calmly asking him the question what's in his glass
0: oh he's usually that
1: you're That you're outraged and silently screaming
0: inside? Yeah. uh, I I doubt that he is, but that is exactly what's happening. He's doing it wrong. He's living his life incorrectly.
1: You could always do the the Dickie P (laughs) and uh, ask him for his glass, swirl the ice cube and sling it across the room, and then pour whiskey into his glass.
0: Oh, that's great. Thank you, Richard Patterson. I'm There you go. Dickie P. Yep. So smart. Okay, I could threaten his life. Dickie P does it. Poke his eyes out. <laughs> kill him. I'm not going to kill a guy. Jason, come on. I'm not going to kill anybody. So stop pressuring me into How'd that. How'd you
1: kill that guy? Just to watch him die.
0: <laughs> Is that no, a boy named Sue? No, that's the Folsom, that's it. Folsom Prison. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So let, let us end this uh, podcast. Podcast. Another word. For nonsense. <laughs> I think it's time to say jeers, Jason.
1: Jeers? <laughs> jeers,
0: <laughs> I like Ike. <laughs> Thunderdome.
3: second time check, right? (laughs) We have to take a break now. (laughs) We're Panoply. And we'll be right back with Robin. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) We're going to take a pause for the cause. And
3: uh... (laughs) And we are Panoply. (laughs) We are Panoply. We are Panoply.
0: Panoply, it sounds like Panoply opened up for yes during the Fragile
3: Tour. You know, I knew (laughs) that that band sounded familiar, right? (laughs) They were on the Sounds from Across the Atlantic (laughs) album, where America was on. That's the one we had, one we talked about. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) they were only two men at that time, right? Mm -hmm. It was a flautist and a harpist, I believe. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. flautist, Mm -hmm. or was that a philatelist? I'm not. I can't remember. Yeah.
0: The The filetalist went on to a completely different industry.